0: Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Results are in for some of the key midterm election races, and it's not quite the red wave pundits were predicting. A think tank director's commentary. And voters across the country have weighed in on key ballot issues, abortion access and legalizing marijuana among the top concerns. What did the voters decide? Yet another storm is heading to Florida. Nicole is expected to make a landfall as a category one hurricane late tonight. And for some Floridians, it could be dangerous. The Indian Child Welfare Act, it can separate children from the only parents they ever knew. Today, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case challenging the act. Meanwhile, in Russia, WNBA star Brittany Griner has exhausted her legal options and is now being transferred. It looks like what her friends and family feared the most. (music) Control of the House and Senate are still up in the air the day after the midterm elections. But some key races have already been called. Here's an overview of those that have been decided and those for which we're still waiting for results. With most of the votes in, Democrat John Fetterman beats Republican Dr. Mehmet Oz to take the U.S. Senate seat in Pennsylvania. So far, this is the only Senate seat that has flipped in the midterm elections, giving Democrats an edge over Republicans. I never expected that we were gonna turn these red counties blue, but we did what we needed to do. Democrats also won the gubernatorial race in Pennsylvania with Josh Shapiro beating Doug Mastriano by a much larger margin. In North Carolina, the Republican Party holds on to its Senate seat with Ted Budd beating Sherry Beasley in a tight race. In Georgia, Republican Governor Brian Kemp keeps his job, but Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock will head into a runoff against Republican Herschel Walker.
1: There is one race in our state that is going to be moving to the December 6th runoff. That is the race for the United States Senate.
0: Good news for the GOP in Florida. Both Republican Senator Marco Rubio and Republican Governor Ron DeSantis beat their Democratic challengers by large margins. The two incumbents also flipped the state's most populous county, Miami-Dade, which voted blue in the 2018 gubernatorial and Senate races, as well as the 2020 presidential election.
2: We not only won election, we have rewritten the political map
0: Two of the most anticipated Senate races have also been called. In Wisconsin, Republican incumbent Ron Johnson wins re-election in a narrow race against Mandela Barnes. And in Ohio, the GOP gets to keep its seat with J.D. Vance beating Tim Ryan by over six percentage points. As of Wednesday afternoon, we're still waiting for results from Arizona, Nevada and Alaska. In Arizona, gubernatorial candidates Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake are neck and neck, while Democratic Senator Mark Kelly enjoys a comfortable lead over Republican Blake Masters. In Nevada, Republicans are leading in both the gubernatorial and Senate races, but vote counting in the state's most populous county could continue for days.
2: You'll have the final unofficial um, at some point, probably Thursday before the canvass but it's not official until we can. Okay.
0: And in Alaska, Republicans will likely retain the Senate seat, but the question remains, will it go to Trump-endorsed Kelly Shibaka or incumbent Lisa Murkowski? And the Georgia Senate race is still too close to call, and Georgia's Secretary of State has announced that the two major candidates will face each other in a runoff election. The winner could determine the balance of power in the U.S. Senate. And TD's Jason Perry is in Atlanta to give us a firsthand look at the situation.
2: I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia, where the people know who their governor is, but they have yet to figure out who will be their next senator. The race between Herschel Walker and Senator Warnock is just too close to call. On 13 WMAZ, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger announced the two candidates will now have to face off in a runoff election on December 6th.
1: I'll ask the voters to come out and vote one last time. We have no control over how many campaign ads our voters are going to see over the next 30 days, but we'll make sure that we have honest and fair elections.
2: Now, here are clips from both candidates when they spoke to their supporters on election night with no winner yet determined.
3: Whether it's later tonight or tomorrow or four weeks from now, we will hear from the people of Georgia
2: Just hanging in a little bit longer
4: because something good, it takes a while for it to get better. And it's going to get better. So I wanted to thank you guys for hanging in.
2: I spoke to some people in downtown Atlanta to see what they think are the top concerns for Americans. I personally think public transportation is the most vital thing to the United States right now. You know,
5: obviously we had the insurrection on January 6th, um, and I think it's an interesting time right now because people are concerned generally about democracy, but they're also concerned about economics. The particular is election denial and activities that seem to undercut democracy, and that's my big concern.
2: Depending on how the other Senate races go across the country, a Georgia State Senate runoff could be a winner-take-all for their party's control of the Senate. Jason Perry, NTD News, Georgia.
0: And President Biden this afternoon reacted to the midterm results in a speech at the White House. He said the election was without interference and that his earlier optimism was justified. Let's have a listen in.
4: While we don't know all the results yet, at least I don't know them all yet, uh, here's what we do know. While the press and the pundits are predicting a giant red wave, uh, it didn't happen. And I know you were somewhat miffed by my, uh, my uh, obsessive optimism, but uh, I felt good during the whole process. I thought we were going to do fine. While any seat lost is painful, some good Democrats didn't win the last night. Democrats had a strong night.
0: Biden said that voters, poll workers and election officials are, quote, the heart and soul of our democracy. He added that voters were also clear about their concerns about inflation and the economy. He spoke about what his administration has done so far and pledged to work together with Republicans regardless of the final election results. And earlier today, I spoke with Wade Miller, executive director of the think tank Citizens for Renewing America, for his view on the election results. Wade Miller, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us.
6: Thanks for having me on.
0: Now, it's looking like that red wave Republicans were expecting is not materializing. You spent more than a decade working with the conservative grassroots movement, campaigns and public policy development in Washington and on Capitol Hill. What do you make of the results so far?
6: Sure, so I agree, I don't think that there was a red wave. I was always a little bit pessimistic that there would be one simply because I thought there, there was a little bit of an overreliance on the economic arguments and the inflation arguments and those you know that necessitates a conversation about the Fed uh, you know consumer price index and I think there was some confusion about what's really going on there and who is to completely blame and I think that we over relied on that and under relied on some of the issues like the border the radicalism of the, the woke and weaponized agenda of the left. I don't think that that was really put uh, to the forefront in a national sense. And so when people talk about candidate selection, th- you know whether you are an establishment Republican, a conservative Republican, a MAGA Republican, the trend was basically the same. We saw the basic same kind of lackluster performance. So I don't think it was about any type of endorsements or any type of, of uh, uh, you know specific type of candidate. I think it was just a lack of the Republican Party to provide a, a, a unifying vision that really resonated with voters and gave them an excuse to actually stop what they're doing with their daily lives, to actually go out get their friends and, and to go vote and be excited about doing so. And then the other thing that I think you saw is that there, there was a higher turnout amongst younger voters who, again, have been through K through 12 and college leftist propaganda and they're, you know, left-leaning voter demographics right now. And I think that that coupled with the fact that the entire redistricting process that we just went through you know, a year or so ago has created a new dynamic where there's fewer gettable seats. So you really need, in order to have a wave, you really need to outperform in ways that we hadn't performed in like in 2010 and, and other uh, wave elections. We need to actually do better now than, than those years to have the same type of impact, because there's just not as many purple seats anymore.
0: In Florida, there was a red wave. And it's credited to a range of factors. One of those could be Governor Ron DeSantis moving removing COVID era voting laws that typically help Democrats, for example, around mail in ballots. How much of a role do you think this played?
6: 100 percent. If you remember, uh, Governor DeSantis, when he first won, he didn't win by a huge margin. This was a very purple, if not left leaning state. He has demonstrated that just not that that it's not just talking about culture. It's actually using the power you have as an executive of a state and going after the woke and weaponized abuse of power, the the corrupting influence of of these uh, agendas and policies and ideas on corporate America, on government institutions, at the local and state level. And he actually, when he attacked it, and he defended parents, he defended students, he defended their economy, he defended businesses. And I think voters saw that and what you saw, and he and, and, and saw, and this happened in a way that has not happened elsewhere. So if you look at Texas, for instance, Governor Abbott and statewide leaders there had previously been winning by 15 or 20 points in past election cycles. They won by 10 or 12 this time. And so I think that what that shows you is that if you, if you lead like a Governor DeSantis, you're, you're going to change a state's demographics generationally to the right because people are inspired by that leadership. And what's happening in other places like Texas is they're just treading water. It's the same old stuff. They're not inspiring people. And so they're slowly losing their lead because they're not inspiring a new generation. And they're not actually using the power that they have to uh, affect outcomes that voters want. And so voters in Texas, for instance, want the state to declare an invasion and to use Article 1, Section 10, Clause 3 to defend their borders and to secure it. And so far, he's refused to do that. Voters see that lack of action And then they see Governor DeSantis in Florida actually leading the way and and, and providing innovative solutions and actually using his power to do good things. And I think that that's two different dynamics. And we saw it play out last night throughout America.
0: And you mentioned young voters. Some people point to young voters as a key reason the tide hasn't turned as strongly towards Republicans as expected. This demographic typically doesn't consume news in the same way that older nations, older generations do. Do you think that social media's echo chambers could have played a role in this too?
6: Oh, absolutely. Uh, And, you know, big tech, uh, uh, you know, government colluding with big tech to control messaging, to uh, source out to third party organizations voter turnout efforts using taxpayer funds that specifically target uh, uh, demographics and counties that might assist, you know, uh, Democrats. There's a whole a slew of issues that we need to confront. Uh, you know, the, the Biden Bucks EO, for instance, that uh, empowered the uh, federal government to uh, micro-target turnout uh, throughout the states. And so, this is something we've been fighting back against, and something that a Republican-controlled Congress has got to uh, stop. You know, if if that's the case. And and yes, uh, that impacts when you have corporate America, big tech. Uh, the Biden administration all colluding together to, uh, 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 you know, force certain electoral outcomes, then this is what you see. And and so, uh, you know, seeing higher turnout amongst that demographic is should be something that you know uh, Republicans notice and 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 start paying attention to.
0: A number of things went wrong in terms of systems going down during voting hours yesterday, or other delays or interruptions to voters. Do you expect to see many lawsuits coming in contesting the results or at least voters' access to voting?
6: Uh, I I think so. Uh, And I think that in some respects that's started to happen. I think judges have shut down some preliminary uh, efforts in Arizona. You had 60 sites that, that their machines went down because of, you know, quote unquote, printer errors. Uh, which is odd, because they, the, none of these things happened during early voting. So I'm not exactly sure why all of, this, all of a sudden this happened on voting day, which heavily favors Republicans. And remember, in Arizona, Carrie Lake's opponent is the one who is in charge of counting the votes. And so this is all very concerning. We need to take a long, hard look at it. And I think that uh, voters were disenfranchised in Arizona. And to the degree that that happens, I think that uh, the court should recognize it and uh, the, you know, the voters should insist on changes, systemic changes there.
0: And finally, what do you think this election could mean for 2024?
6: Well, I, I think that the message should be received that if you actually lead on important issues that matter to your constituents and not just stick to, you know, the decades old easy, you know, economic talking points, but actually what are families talking about at their dinner table? What are they worried about? You know, what, are they worried about cancel culture? They're worried about uh, the federal government abusing their power against them. They're worried about the radical and woke agenda in schools. If you actually pay attention to those things and not just you know uh, you know a head pat, but you actually do something about it, voters will reward you. And where where we saw that uh, you know nationally we didn't do well, I think it's because largely Republicans failed to really uh, glom onto that as they kind of did in 2020. You know we saw. Governor Youngkin in Virginia in the last month of his, of his candidacy really focused on critical race theory. And all of a sudden, he jumped up in the polls. You know, I think that there's a message to be taken there that it's the, the, the Donald Trump agenda, the Ron DeSantis uh, agenda, the Kerry Lake agenda. People need to pay attention to what they're saying and what they're doing and try to emulate that. And it's a good balance of all the Republican Party principles, not just economic, but cultural as well.
0: All right, Wade Miller, Executive Director of Citizens for Renewing America, thank you so
6: much. Thanks for having me on.
0: People across the country also voted yesterday on issues from accessing abortion to legalizing marijuana. NTD's Arlene Richards has the highlights on key ballot measures from Election Day 2022.
5: On Tuesday, voters across the country cast votes for national, state, and local candidates in the 2022 midterm elections. They also voted on a number of ballot measures. In California, Kentucky, Michigan, and Vermont, voters decided in favor of access to abortions. In three of those states, voters approved existing legislation that guaranteed abortions, including California's measure to set aside taxpayer dollars for out-of-state abortions. But in Kentucky, voters rejected a proposed legislation that would ban nearly all abortions. Protect Kentucky Access told the Associated Press the people of Kentucky have spoken and their answer is no. But the victory for abortion advocates may be short-lived if the proposed ban survives a legal challenge. The Kentucky Supreme Court will hear arguments next week in a case filed by two abortion clinics to permanently block the ban. In Maryland and Missouri, voters approved recreational use of marijuana. The measure makes recreational marijuana use a state constitutional right for people 21 and over. These two states joined 19 other states that approved recreational use in the last 10 years. Both states will also change criminal laws and eliminate past marijuana possession convictions. These ballot measures follow recent moves by President Joe Biden toward decriminalizing marijuana. In early October, Biden pardoned thousands of people convicted of marijuana possession.
4: As I said when I ran for president, no one should be in jail just for using or possessing marijuana. It's already legal in many states.
5: In Arkansas, North Dakota, and South Dakota, where medical marijuana is already legal, voters rejected proposals to legalize it for recreational use. Over in Ohio, voters approved a constitutional amendment that bars non citizens from voting in local elections. And Nebraskans voted to require photo ID before casting ballots. Arizona is also voting to change ID requirements, but we're still waiting for the final call. In Connecticut, voters approved no excuse early voting. If lawmakers pass the law, it will be the first time Connecticut voters can go to the polls early. Arlene Richards, NTD News, New York.
0: Another storm is expected to make landfall in Florida tonight, just weeks after Hurricane Ian. Nicole is expected to strengthen into a hurricane before it hits Florida's east coast. Here's newly reelected Governor Ron DeSantis.
2: The most recent track shows that it will make landfall in Martin County as a Category 1 hurricane and will move through the state, exit into the Gulf of Mexico, and then make landfall again somewhere in the Big Bend region in North Florida.
1: Some airports and theme parks halted operations Wednesday. About 2,000 flights were canceled as Nicole advanced toward the eastern coast of Florida. Orlando International Airport tweeted that, today at 4 p.m., commercial operations will cease at our airport. Melbourne Orlando International Airport and Orlando Sanford International Airport also both closed their doors. Disney World announced that they will have a phased closure today, November 9, beginning at 5 p.m., and will remain closed through tomorrow morning. In Volusia County, which includes Daytona Beach, residents were warned to watch out for their belongings and their lives.
4: This incoming storm is a direct threat to both property and life. A low-category hurricane or even a tropical storm will cause more damage than usual due to the weakened infrastructure we have. If you are impacted with flooding from Hurricane Ian, then you can expect to be impacted by this upcoming
1: storm as well. By Friday morning, Nicole is expected to be over Georgia.
0: Today the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case challenging the Indian Child Welfare Act. The controversial act was passed in the 70s and can automatically place some children who are up for adoption under the custody of a Native American tribe.
1: The Indian Child Welfare Act, or ICWA, was passed in 1978 to prevent Native American children from being separated from their families and tribes. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court heard oral arguments in a case that could decide the act's constitutionality. It's alleged that the ICWA allows children with the slightest trace of Native American blood who are up for adoption to be placed under tribal custody instead of with a non-Native American family, and that in some cases, this could lead to children being taken away from the only parents they ever knew. The Christian Alliance wrote an amicus brief to the High Court, giving examples of multiple people who say they were negatively affected by the act. Sage DeRocher's is an example. Under ICWA, Ms. DeRochers was taken from the only family she had ever known and was placed with her unfit alcoholic mother. Throughout the process, Ms. DeRochers remembers that she was treated like property of the tribe and that her best interests were never a consideration. While in the care of her birth mother, Ms. DeRochers suffered physical abuse and was prevented from attending court hearings in her case. Ms. DeRochers' birth mother eventually abandoned her daughter and sent her back to the DeRochers family. The told the Federalists that the environment on the reservation was like that of a third-world country and that her birth mother told her she never wanted her. The amicus brief contains many such examples in which the act allegedly led to suffering for the people involved. The ICWA was intended to preserve Native American culture, which some thought could erode if children with Native American blood were adopted by non-Native families. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News.
0: And in basketball news, an update on WNBA star Brittany Griner, who lost her appeal in Russia just 10 days ago. Now comes the move her friends and family fear the most. NTD's Dave Martin has more.
4: Brittany Griner, the seven-time WNBA All-Star, two-time Olympic gold medal winner, who's led her teams to championships at the collegiate, professional, and international level, has been moved to a penal colony somewhere in Russia. According to her legal team, Grina was escorted from the detention center outside of Moscow last Friday, the day after U.S. Embassy officials visited her. Though the move was expected, the timing wasn't. Typically, it takes weeks or even months after all legal options have been exhausted for this kind of transfer to happen. Meanwhile, even her attorneys don't know exactly where she is or where she's headed, only that they're to be notified once she gets there the penal colonies are considered to be much harsher conditions than the detention centers, often drawing comparisons to the Soviet-era gulags, where prisoners are forced to work all day long. And Greiner's been sent there after pleading guilty to drug possession charges back in July. Her charge carried a 10-year maximum sentence, and though her lawyers argued that similar cases resulted in five years, Greiner was given nine. Back in June, the U.S. State Department announced that they'd offered Russia a prisoner exchange deal for Griner, but they've yet to strike an agreement. Her return home now hinges on the cooperation between the two governments. Dave Martin, NTD News.
0: Coming up, massive layoffs at Facebook parent Meta. With thousands of jobs to be cut, what went wrong? Facebook parent company Meta is cutting jobs. CEO Mark Zuckerberg announced a massive number of layoffs will be needed to keep the company running smoothly. The company said today that it will let go of about 13% of its workforce. It's cutting more than 11,000 out of about 87,000 employees. It's one of the biggest layoffs this year as the Facebook parent company battles inflation, soaring costs, and a weak advertising market after overextending itself during the pandemic bump. The mass layoffs, the first in Meta's 18-year history, follow thousands of job cuts at other major tech companies, including the Elon Musk-owned Twitter and Microsoft. And just this week, Salesforce also laid off hundreds of people, but nowhere near Meta's 11,000. And on election day, a lucky lottery winner in Southern California hit the jackpot of over $2 billion. It's believed to be a world record.
3: A powerball player in Altadena, California holds the only winning ticket sold for the $2.04 billion jackpot. Joe's Service Center, about five miles north of Pasadena, sold the ticket.
2: I come uh, 6 o'clock in the morning to work and I find the state lottery. Uh, people waiting for me here and they told me we have a good news for you so you never come early so I have a feeling got that we have a winner so and we got more excited so we have a start have a coffee party in the morning with the state lottery and then uh, we start to hear more good news for the people win and we hopefully somebody from Altadena
3: According to the California State Lottery on Tuesday, the sum is a result of a string of 40 drawings that produced no winners, that pushed the top prize into record territory. The ticket holder, whose identity was not disclosed, has the choice of taking just under one billion dollars in cash or receiving the full amount in 29 annual payments.
2: Most of the people buy the ticket for me; they are local, from the neighborhood.
3: Chahayad spent the day doing interviews with the media and being congratulated by local neighbors and customers. He will receive $1 million for selling the winning ticket, but he said he will go back to work the next day. The odds of matching all six numbers in the drawing, 10, 33, 41, 47, 56, and 10, were one in over $290 million. Three other tickets worth $1.1 million each were also sold in California. The previous record for a Powerball jackpot was set in 2016 when three ticket holders from California, Florida and Tennessee shared a $1.59 billion top prize. According to multiple media reports, the $2.04 billion Powerball jackpot ranks as a world record for a lottery top prize. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Until next time, I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.